One year, I kind of got an idea. You almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure. And I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. information, trapping radios. We are trappers and ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got more than they started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Great to have you guys here. Thanks for tuning in again this week uh, and every other week. It's always fun. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsboros has a full line of trapping supplies from traps and snares to baits and lures, books, DVDs. Basically, if you're just getting started or if you're an experienced pro and you need a few supplies, they got what you need. Cotsboros.com. Also brought to you by OnX Maps. Turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS track your movements, mark the trap locations, scout with using the latest aerial imagery and get landowner information, uh, parcel data, everything showing you where uh, where you can go, where you can't go, and who you got to talk to to get permission. It's a great app. You can go to onxmaps.com and use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off of your first purchase. And finally, trappingtodaystore.com. That's where you can find my lures, I've got the Long Distance Call, Predator, Predator Plus, uh, Birch River Beaver Lure, Muskrat Magnet. Um, that's that's all I've got in the store at the moment. That's probably all I'll have for a little bit, a little while, but um, solid lures to get you started on the line. And uh, especially the, the LDC is funny because I don't, I don't use the LDC exclusively. You know, I use, I use all the different lures that I make, obviously, but uh, for some reason, but far and above, everybody loves a long distance call. So that that is uh, absolutely a top seller. Also have the Walter Arnold book available and the Mustella t-shirts. We've got uh, a new color and I've got those. Uh, I actually just got them in from the printer. I get them printed here locally. So uh, it, uh, it I, I wasn't sure how long it was going to take those guys to get it done, but they were quick this time around so I'm going to try to put more of those up on the store here very shortly but trappingtodaystore.com you can find all of that stuff and uh, anyway let's get into tonight's show thank you guys again Uh, we're going to talk with my friend Josh from Alaska again this is part three and the final part of our sit down with Josh had a lot of fun talking with him as you might imagine Uh, in this episode we talk about trapping for beavers under the ice a little bit about what i do here in maine and and his experiences in alaska talk about trapping around trails which he has a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential to have issues with that up in alaska with with all the guys running dog teams and doing training and stuff there on different trails we get into sewing fur and making your own fur items uh, items out of the fur that you catch it's something that's getting much more popular. I think all of us are going to be doing a little more of that here in the coming months and years with the fur market being the way it is. And then finally, we we go off on a little bit of a tangent and discuss maybe the kind of the some of the intangibles about trapping uh, about for me, the whole Alaska experience when I went up there last winter, just just some of the thoughts that were going through my head up there and, and how special that place is. So Um, Get a little emotional maybe at the end of the episode. That's always good, right? 
um, get in touch with our, our emotional side at times, but I just, yeah, it's, I've always dreamt about that area and it was great to experience it. And man, it's hard, hard not to think about it. It's just, uh, the sort of back to the basics of what it was like to be a trapper thinking about the old mountain man days, you know, and, and that's about as close to wild as you're going to get. So hope you enjoy this one guys. And, uh, we will get into it right now. Are trapping too, or you should say ice trapping. <laughs> ice trapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i uh i always try to do a little fall beaver trapping one for bait and two because it's fun to trap open water um a lot easier to take the kids on that than going and cutting through three or four feet of ice in march and running running snares through the ice but that's fun too just mm-hmm. a lot more work The other thing about that too is you get other guys like me and they go and they'll trap a beaver house out this time of year and then I'll go try to trap that same house in March and don't understand why. <laughs> yeah, not why am anything. I not catching anything? Right. Yeah, being close to town. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it's, you know, I never got to go beaver trapping or with you down there or anything like that, but just from us talking, it's there's there's a lot more beaver down there than there are up here. It seems that way. Yeah, it does. Yeah and and just access up here you know it's you can look at google earth or you know i I run onyx um app on my phone and who knows how old the satellite pictures are and those things and a a lot of the the beaver uh flowages and stuff that i come across here you know just happen to stumble across or they're along the road so anybody can see them and yeah and like we talked about before there's only so many roads here yeah, so you're pretty well guaranteed somebody's going to be trapping beaver a beaver lodge that's right by the road. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the ones that's here just uh, maybe a mile from the house. I was going to go set, and uh, the day that I was going to do it after work, that morning when I was driving to work, or maybe I was coming home, I don't remember. I think maybe I was coming home. I saw a guy taking traps out of the back of his truck right there. <laughs> but he had his waders on. He's taking traps out. And I was like, okay, I guess I know where he's going. Yeah. So, you know, that's the only thing that's open right right now. So, How about if you went up and down I, the river, like on a boat? Yeah, I, a guy probably could. Um, not now. There's too much ice flowing down the river now. Is there really ice flowing already? Yep. Wow. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Just started here about five days ago and and before that if i'd probably done it if i had a garage to put my boat in but you know i don't want my boat sitting out in the winter if i can't get all the water out of the water pump and everything yeah everything freezes up when you pull it out of the water yeah yeah well i mean we we ran boats into october and stuff when i worked at fishing game but you had a big shed to bring them in probably yeah, they they those it was usually only one or two boats that got ran that late, and they get pulled in the garage, and we make sure everything was drained on them before they got parked outside for the winter. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I could probably put a little more effort into doing some of the stuff, but this year life was just crazy. Yeah. Everything that got going on, buying buying a house and selling a house and job promotions and whatnot. And, teaching being the teacher for the kids with the whole covid <laughs> yeah it adds a jeez it's a lot it is yeah it is a lot definitely so, so what so. you had you showed me a a beaver under ice beaver setup that you use cuz it's different than mine you said you've had really good luck with it yep i uh yeah that's and that's something uh Tristan actually showed me that and you just take two spruce uh, poles that are, I'd always cut my holes probably three feet by three feet, and I use a chainsaw. I'm, I'm not going to chip through ice with a spud like you do. It's, uh, I'm using an ice auger oh, now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Works good. Well, I bet, yeah, if you fold your pole up and everything. I don't think my set would work too well with ice auger, but, um, no, yeah, I'll well, take well, you, I'm, drill, I'm drilling like five, six holes parallel to each other. 
Oh, okay. Just to make my, because I, I was using chainsaw a lot, but the problem was that I'm running like an 18 inch bar and you've got like 24 yeah. inches of ice. <laughs> so, yeah. so you'd have you, to cut a big, op, uh, you know, a big wide opening and then you'd have to pull all the big ice chunks out and then you'd have to step down and cut again. Um, yep. With the ice auger, you can just go through all through in one punch. And then I'm running yeah. like four or five, and, and then some. I'll just like chip the ice in between the holes, a little bit of ice here and there. And, uh-huh. uh, I'm starting to like that quite a bit. Oh, there you go. You just need to get a bigger saw and a bigger bar. Uh, although guys have told me if you're <laughs> you, you dumb idiot, just find the run and you want to do that. <laughs> Which a lot of times that I've, I've drilled holes and then walked a few feet and fell through. Um, yeah. At times, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we uh yeah i've got like a i guess i'd call it like a three foot square hole or so yeah. and then uh and then cut cut that par- portion you cut out i'd cut that into quarters and then shove that underneath the ice and i'd always i always try to locate my my hole in between the cache and the house or at least on the edge of the cache mm-hmm. um and I prefer like aspen or uh, birch for for bait. Um, one because it's kind of kind of a lot lighter color than the willows or the alders or anything. So I think it's in, in my mind it sticks out better in the water. Yeah. Like you know, I just picture this beaver coming out of his house and like this cartoon, you know, and he was like, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here's your dinner. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, something that just jumps right out at him, you know. And so that I take that bait pole and I shove it all the way down into the bottom. And then I'll take, usually I take spruce poles or some sort of dead tree that's around there. Dead. I'd I'd call, I'd say two inch, two inches around or so, something of that size. And I'd bridge the hole, make like a cross and then, um, wire those to the bait pole. So everything's kind of solid then. And then I just hang a snare um four snares one off each side of each of the the brace poles yeah on either side of the bait pole and uh just hang the snare just below the ice hmm. i've caught caught a lot of beaver like that you ever have them cut oh. cut the pole from the bottom nope i've never had a cut bait pole doing that huh. so they're they're, they're always coming under the air under the ice yep. yep and i don't know you know if they they come out and they cut it at the top of the ice first so they can pull it out of the mud on the bottom. I don't know. I, I guess I've never seen a beaver do that under the ice, but um, the only problem I have had with that is if they come out before that hole skims over with ice or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then sometimes you'll have a beaver sitting on top of the ice or he'll be sitting in the water, yeah. not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've only had that happen twice though. And one other issue I had was actually the biggest beaver I ever caught. Um, he squared 72 inches. Jeez. He, wow. uh, he, he was, he was big. Um, he got hung up in the snare and then there was a log in the water. Like I'm talking like an entire tree and it came up and he got the snare wrapped around that log one time, got hung up in one of the other snares and then got wrapped around the log again. Ooh. Um, from underneath it and he was froze to the ice in between the log and the ice <laughs> in two snares Jeez. and i spent probably the better part of two hours <laughs> chainsawing around where i suspected this beaver was because i like reached underneath and felt where he was at oh. and yeah that was cold um and then proceeded to cut out this huge block of ice um, and then found out that this log was in there too <laughs> and shoved my chainsaw down as far as I could without like submerging it and got that log cut. And then I had this huge block of ice and beaver and log that I had to figure out how to get out of the water. Mm. And, uh, the trick for that was one of my old wolf snares that had 96 inches of cable on it. Yeah. So <laughs> The loop was big enough to get around that whole big chunk of ice and everything, and then I pulled that up on the ice and then proceeded to chip around the beaver with my spud. 
No damage and, on the pelt? Nope. Didn't oh, didn't uh, hit it once. And yeah, I was I was pretty lucky there, but yeah, that was that was a big beaver. And uh <laughs> so I guess that's like the biggest flaw with that set is is that you can get tangled up in things underneath there or the beavers can be still alive when you get there. Yeah, right. And I think it seems to me in my little bit of experience, of course, I, I learn a little bit more every year, every time I screw up, but it, it seems that the, you know, they, they exit the house and they're hugging the bottom and as they get closer to the feed pile, they're raising up in the water column. And so uh-huh. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems like when, where my snare poles are like right by the entrance of the house, you'll tend to get the beaver cutting right near the bottom. And as uh-huh. you get closer, anything, when you get a fair distance from the house, they're always cutting right uh, as close to the ice as they can right under the ice. Okay. I don't know if it's, they just think they can get the maximum amount of that pole cut off so they can drag it back to the house. But, and, and Maybe. the other thing is it's hard to tell because a lot of times like you'll catch a beaver and then, you know, there's other beavers been coming back and forth after that beaver's already been caught. And, and they'll, sometimes you'll have the pole in three pieces, you know, you know, they're obviously yeah. coming back and chewing things up and, and going through that. But. Sure. But it's fun. That's one of the only times when I could feel like I'm similar to trapping in Alaska is when I'm under ice beaver trapping. Yeah. You uh, do you catch many doubles and stuff with the way that you almost never. run your set? Almost never. Almost never. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've caught uh, uh, two maybe two doubles. Oh. Yeah. It seems. I like would say two. probably like. Go ahead. It, it, see, it seems like when, when you catch one, they mess up the snares pretty bad because it's all in one pole. And so pretty much everything's taken down. And most of mine are four snare sets. Um, the times that I've had doubles, I think both times were I had three tiers of snares. So I had six snares and it was one beaver on the top and one on the bottom. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking that was just... Uh, you know, they the one on the bottom was far enough away that the one on the top didn't mess up this those that yeah. bottom tier snares. Okay. I probably caught I would say like probably ten percent of mine have been doubles. But I think kinda of same thing. You hang one beaver up and he just you know, he's swimming around underneath there and it doesn't take much current to get the rest of the snares to fire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or he bumps them or whatever. But yeah. I have, I, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You also try your, your method sometime. Yeah, I don't know if it's the best. <laughs> I, I try to experiment a little bit, but it seems to, it, you get you get a lot of action um, with, with that yeah. method. Having, you know, the, the snares and the pole, everything... The, the whole pole is bait. You know, I've tried a lot of the old the old style main sets where the pole is dead and you got bait sticks nailed to it and stuff. And and it's fine when you get beaver coming in, but there's it's very very often where beaver just kind of go by it and they don't even pay attention to it. I think it's back to your uh, thing about the cartoon. You know, uh, you want something yeah. big and bright and something that stands out that that really gets them to it. But. Yeah. But you you are gonna get like you're gonna bait. get cases where you you have the pole chewed off and the snares fired and you got nothing in the trap and nothing in the snares and that's uh, I don't know I, a lot of people have have that experience it seems to be pretty common with that set and the the best the best guys in the under ice beaver snaring business just say set a bunch more you know set yeah. set four or five of those and you're gonna have one or two of them that are gonna be fired off but you may have beaver and the rest of them. Right. And, and I can't, I've had years where I'll go, um, I think I had, not this past year, but the year before, I almost had no misses. I, I and I only, I don't know, I might have did, I might have been like 20, 20 for 20 or something like that. And then, nice. but the year before that, I think I had like 
I had probably, uh, I, I hate to bring it, say numbers because I don't really remember, but maybe 12 or 15, but half, I, I missed, I was like, it seemed to be like half the time I'd miss beaver. Like I'd have the pole chewed off and the snares fired and I didn't do anything different. So I, I don't understand it. I'd probably have to catch two, three, 400 to really understand it, I guess. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I don't have that in me. <laughs> two, three, 400 beaver. There's guys that do it, but you know, I've been scouting for beaver and it, it seems like when you're looking for them, there aren't as many as you thought there were. <laughs> right. I, you funny, you said before we started tonight, you had something about some getting shot or um, there was a, some by the road there that you thought had been shot. And yeah. I went, I was scouting here the other night after work and I was riding around just hunting birds and looking for beaver lodges. And I found one. I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's only like three, four miles from my house, four or five miles and the there's this lodge like right by the road it's all mudded up every there's sticks everywhere there's beaver just going nuts so i walk over i just like you i get the onyx i went to mark my uh my location that lodge and i look and there's something on the in the surface of the water on the edge of the pond like what is that a big dead beaver floating there (laughs) so i'm sure a bird hunter went by and saw a beaver swimming around and shot it Um, yeah so it's it's a it's one of those things you can't seem to win when you're looking for them right so you guys you probably there you're not allowed to shoot beavers down there with no like trapping license no it's easy yeah. no it's illegal to shoot them can you shoot them there there, there are some uh units up here you can yeah and actually the, the wife and i were talking about that we were bird hunting this morning and uh and i found a couple beaver houses out there and and we She'd ask that. She's like, "Well, if we see one, can we shoot it?" And I was like, "No, not here." But there are places you can, yeah. Further, further away never... from town, probably, yeah. <laughs> just across the river, you just gotta go uh-huh. on the other side of the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's this imaginary line, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and I've I've gotten some nuisance permits before, and I've, um, you, you know, through work and everything like that, where they're plugging culverts up and whatnot, I'll I'll get a nuisance permit so I can just shoot them instead of trying to trap them. Yeah. So that I can just be done with it, and 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 so I've shot maybe six is about all the more I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's something that I've that I've thought about doing going out in the spring right after ice out and try to get them before they start fighting and stuff. Yeah, you know the hides are still good, but I've just something I've never done. It'd probably be fun to do. Yeah, for but sure. Definitely, I don't know. There's something about trapping that. I think I enjoy that a lot more than than shooting. Yeah, make a bunch of caster mound sets in the spring. Those TS eighty fives. Yeah, for sure. So you you use Onyx to mark your trap locations? Uh, I'll probably do that this year. Um, I just downloaded the app like halfway through last winter, and uh, and started using it this summer. Used it during hunting season, and. Uh, I actually got on my GPS and downloaded a bunch of my hunting locations and stuff. Just punched them in manually on the phone mm-hmm. so that they got them in there. But yeah, I'm, I've used it for quite a bit besides just hunting, and especially the, the land ownership thing. Um, there's one trail I was looking at maybe trapping that's close to town here so that I could take the kids out and, uh, and get them kind of more introduced into it. The, the oldest daughter's really taken into to hunting and trapping and stuff nice. this year. Cool. She was looking forward to going beaver trapping and she was pretty bummed the other day. The one house we walked to didn't, didn't have enough sign. And then the other one that the beavers, had died, I would assume they were shot. That's my guess because DOT went and took the dam out and whatnot. And, uh, and the, the beavers haven't attempted to rebuild it or anything. And I just didn't see anything that looked promising. And, uh, and so we went and looked at this other house and there was just five or six freshly chewed sticks. Just nothing really gave very good, um, indication that there was going to be a reason to put a trap there. But the oldest daughter was pretty bummed. You know, she was all excited about going and looking for beavers and, 
and then like we said you know just the ice is too thick and too thin <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that time of year yeah too thin so, to walk through too thick or too thick to walk through too thin to walk on yep yep <laughs> exactly so yeah anyway she uh she's showing a lot of interest in that so i've been thinking about trying to get somewhere close to the house that could just run a quick line and with cats being high last year maybe we could pick up a cat or two mm-hmm. and you know something to keep her really interested in it because when you're out running your traps when it's zero or whatever kid's not going to stay entertained with that very long right if you're not stuff so you can find someone um, that's got a, a piece of land a pretty decent fairly decent sized piece of land near town that you can hopefully trap on yeah or even this this place that we're we're buying you know it's got some land to it and ah, big, yeah all, land baron <laughs> yeah land baron that's it <laughs> trying to get into cattle farming like you <laughs> <laughs> but it's the property's all backed up with uh state of alaska land and um there's some blm land that's out that way too and it's you know it's all public land so so you think you could cut it? You could cut a line right from your house. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm going to cut a small loop line. I just okay. there's, I got to watch how far I go because there's a, there is a winter trail there that dog mushers use and snow machiners and stuff, and I just don't want to yeah get, get cut onto that to where people start running my trap line too, and that doesn't go over so well with dog owners, and that's that's a big conflict we have up here. Okay. Especially around, you know, dog owners and trappers, and I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I've caught two. I've caught two dogs. Like sled dogs. In my career. No, no, okay. they were just people that took their took their dog for a walk. You know, places places that I'd been trapping for a few years and not had any problems, and then somebody decided that they're gonna come and run their dog out here, mm-hmm. and. You know, and then obviously it smells good to a dog too. They're going to come investigate it. And, yep. But I, earlier luckily, today, I just I just recorded an episode on that dogs and trapping. Earlier today, oh, yeah. probably go out here in a couple of weeks, and or next probably next week. And that's boy, that really hard to find an answer to that. I mean, yeah, it's because places like Fairbanks are changing. There's a lot of people moving in. And people are retired. They got a lot of time on their hands. They want to walk their dogs, get some exercise. They don't understand yep. trapping. And uh, yep. yeah, it's boy, it's a tough one. Yep, it is. And it's, I guess, a lot of the problem we run into here. You know, it's that same situation. This guy's been trapping this trail for maybe even ten years. You know, and never had a problem. And then somebody decides they're going to start walking their dog down here and. And then their dog gets pinched and they freak out. They don't know how to get it out or, you know, their dog does get hurt, breaks its leg, especially when you're talking bigger traps, you know, number nines and stuff like that. Um, you can't say it's the trapper's fault and you can't say it's the dog owner's fault or, you know, who do you really put the blame on? And, and it's been, I think it depends on the situation, but mm-hmm. it, there's definitely, there's some, um, there's some areas up here where there's been some pretty ignorant people put traps where they shouldn't put them, you know, kind of like, well, I can trap here because I, I have the right to. Yeah. And yeah, you do, but. Not a good outcome for prob- trappers. Yeah. Probably not a good place, you know, to be running traps. And, you know, after I had my incidents and stuff like that, it's okay. Well, people are starting to move in here to walk their dogs and stuff. And I'm just going to pull my traps because of, you know i'm i'm not nearsighted it's you start having all these conflicts and stuff like that and trapping always always looks bad it's you know it's never the dog owner that looks bad it's always the trapper that looks bad right and and just in my eyes if if we can avoid those situations then we're not shining a light on poor trapping responsibility Jeez, I should have had you on for that episode. <laughs> re- re- redo. <laughs> yeah, not, it's not getting redone. <laughs> yeah, no. 
<laughs> you know what? It, it happens. It happens every year up here, multiple times a year. Yeah, gets in the newspaper. Fairbanks. Yep. Yep. Happens Fairbanks. Happens Anchorage, Kenai Peninsula. There was last year. There was a big battle about one of the trails down there on the Kenai Peninsula. I don't remember where it was at, but yeah, the town was trying to take over, trying to have the authority on regulating trapping or something to that effect, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and Anchorage actually has a trapping ban in the municipality, and and uh, I don't know if that got tied up in court. And then Valdez, I think, had the same thing, and um, the Alaska Trappers Association goes and and they start fighting that stuff because it's yeah, it's a start in, in Alaska that the municipalities don't have the uh, authority to regulate trapping right it's, fishing fishing game everything up, yep everything up here is is fishing game and the state manages all the resources um, even on the federal land it's supposed to be the state manages the resources and if you get so, in, if you get into that whole rabbit hole of every town municipality regulating their own trapping rules i mean what a nightmare can you imagine yeah how does a guy keep track of the difference you know say if they you know they did have that around fairbanks that how how does a guy know you know you got to keep five different sets of regulations in mind that make it near impossible to trap so those are the things to think about when you're thinking like, ah, oh, there's a trail over here. Should I set my traps? Should I, oh, I don't know. Is you know, that's the kind of thing to, to keep in mind is, uh, long term. Yep. How's that going to affect things long term if if a dog does get caught? Right. But. And you know, there's there's no, um, marking requirements or anything for traps up here. You don't have to have tags on your traps. You don't have to have signs on your trap lines. But I would say the majority of responsible people, responsible trappers up here, they do mark their trap lines. You know, this is trap line, traps on and off trail. Here's my name. Here's my phone number. Yeah. And and honestly, a lot of other users um, don't respect that stuff. They get mad when, when a trapper puts that stuff out on their trail. And it's like, this is BS. You know, I, could, I should be able to use this trail too. And Yep. You know, maybe maybe John here has been trapping this trail for 20 years, and now all of a sudden the, the dog mushers and the skiers and other recreational users want to use it, and and they get mad that he's running traps on there. And it's you know it's a, it's definitely a a real issue. Oh, because yeah, certainly because the trappers outnumbered. Oh, definitely, and it's you know like we were just saying that the trappers always in the wrong on it. So. It's, yeah, so it's a the yearly thing up here. Yep. Just keep moving further out of town, man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep saying. If things get worse in Maine, I'll be in Alaska. <laughs> that's fine. You know, you things get worse in Fairbanks, shoot. just move further and further out of town. Right. There's there's a a fisheries biologist position, at least there used to be in Galena, so Boy, let's talk. Let's talk after. <laughs> Galena's a little. Uh, do, how do they feel about outsiders in Galena? I don't know. Okay, that's. I the couple of times I've been there, you know, I didn't have any problems. If so. uh, if Sydney Huntington was still there, I'd jump all over that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta come get your residency so you can you can continue on with your fisheries career and. Yeah, that's the, that's an that's one option. Um, I, it's a very risky option, but another option is to uh, hopefully retire while I'm still in good good enough shape. Retire early while I'm still in good enough shape to go trapping out there. There you go. And move, ship it, sell everything, and ship up there. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, get the whole family to follow, huh? Well, maybe the kids will be in school by then. Or out of well, school, yeah, by then. they'll be they'll have their own thing going on and just have to drag the wife up, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might have to tell her too. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to talk about that more later. Uh, <laughs> one thing I did want to talk with you about that I only thing left that I haven't covered yet is 
this uh, this new thing that you have started, you have been um, sewing and making your own fur items. And uh, this, you sent me this these beaver mitts and this incredible hat. Uh, tell me about how you got started in that and what that's all about. Um, well, I guess that, like, I've always had an interest in doing that with my furs, um, or at least getting my wife to do it with my furs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, I'll go catch it. You sew it and then you can sell it and I'll do all the fun stuff. And yeah, how's that <laughs> you one? can do the work. Part. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'm doing it all. So, <laughs> um, but it, I guess the me me just grabbing it and doing it was from a couple winters ago. I think we went fishing, ice fishing, and I had my beaver hat, and she was like, "I'm cold." I said, "Okay, fine. Here, have my hat." And stuck my hat, and then she kept talking about how she needed a hat, and and so I. Two years, I think two years, well, it was after that, I asked her what kind of hat she wanted. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, what kind of hat do you want? You want a beaver hat or you want a Martin hat or or what? And she's like, well, what can I have? And I said, just pick one of the furs hanging around the house, except for the wolf or the wolverine. I'm not cutting those up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she kind of hemmed and hawed about it for a while and then finally went, went and grabbed the links off the wall and threw it at me and said, I want a hat out of this. And I said, okay. So then I started trying to figure out where to get patterns from and, um, and how, you know, just how to go about it. I didn't have any idea. And, uh, I just happened to be working out in, in Manly Hot Springs and mentioned something about wanting to sew fur to one of the guys out there. And he's like, my wife will teach you. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, my wife will teach you. She loves showing people how to sew fur and whatnot. And I was like, okay, well, next time I come out, I'll bring something. Well, it was like a year before I was out there again. Yeah. But before I before I came out there, I, uh, I think I texted her and uh, asked her if, if I brought stuff, if she would be up for uh, showing me how to, to do that. And she was like, yeah, bring your stuff. And then I asked her what else I needed, and she gave me a list of things to bring. And so I brought it out there, and and uh, we we whipped out the hat, and I think two evenings or something after work. And she. So was she like she a traditional me. sewer? Like what was her background? Yep, yep. She she grew up um, down on the lower Yukon, uh, in Oco River area down there. Grew up trapping and and living a subsistence lifestyle with her family. And, and then she came up, I think I want to say she lived in Tannenau for a while, but don't quote me on that. And, uh, and then she got married to uh, this coworker of mine and, and they just live out there in Manly now. And she sews fur for, for everybody, hmm. you know, that, that's interested in it. And, and she'll she'll show anybody how to do it. Just wants to keep the tradition alive, kind of. Uh, yeah, she she enjoys doing it. She loves doing it. Um, and uh, and 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 she enjoys passing it on. She's taught her her daughter how to sew, and her her daughter-in-law, and um, and then obviously me. And uh, and she even went up. We were sewing the hat and stuff like that. And I I said, well, how hard is a pair of uh, mittens to make? And and you know, do I have enough fur left on this cat? And she was like, oh yeah. And she pulls this mitten pattern out, and <laughs> we made made a pair of mittens too. And <laughs> and she was just all about showing me how to do everything with it. And uh. And so we got we got one mitten put together out there before I had to leave, and then pinned everything together on the second one. And then I, when I came back from that trip, that's when you were up here. Okay. And I picked you up there. I didn't have them both. I didn't have both mittens done, did I? I remember the hat, but I don't remember the mittens. Yeah, I don't think I had both mittens done. I had the hat done for sure, but 
surprised, you know, I surprised Kim with the mittens and, and whatnot, but, um, you know, she absolutely loved that. And then you liked it. And I was like, man, I could get into this. And then you, you sent me those furs and, and I, I tackled that on my own. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have, uh, really shady help. Yeah. Did you have a pattern or did you use the pattern from Kim's hat? Nope. I got a pattern from somebody else, huh. uh, here in town. And that it, was, so it's a little different. I'd sent you a, a Fisher and three Martin, maybe something like that. Uh, two Fisher and two Martin. Okay. Yeah. Two Fisher and two Martin. And, Man, you guys, you guys at Martin are a lot smarter, smaller than ours. They're tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, it's it's a lot to get an XL Martin here. Yeah, I bet. Um, and that was that was like that was a challenge for me, you know, trying to figure out how to get what I needed to get, like the size of the pattern and stuff like that, out of the Martin, mm-hmm. because the the Martin wasn't big enough for the whole pattern, so I had to like cut and splice and and try to make things blend and that was definitely a challenge for somebody who was only doing their second hat but um it's i i enjoy doing it i enjoy challenge um and it's i guess kind of therapeutic and, and um and rewarding too because it's like not necessarily with your furs but with you know with that hat I made for Kim it's like man I caught this I skinned it I didn't tan it I got it tanned and then I like I made this product out of this mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um and, and you know even the same thing with yours it's like man I'm doing this uh, this is gonna be cool Jeremiah's furs and he's gonna have his his own fur hat now and it's stuff that he caught and um <clears throat> yeah and it's it's and useful not, stuff it's not it's like it's gonna be used you know, right. it's not a fashion thing. It's just like, this is, this is good. This is warm. This is stylish. Yep. It looks awesome. It feels awesome. Just, yeah. Yep. And there's nothing from what I've experienced. There's nothing warmer than fur either. Hmm. And it's, I, I love my, my beaver hat that I have. It's, I mean, it actually gets too hot. If you start chopping wood or splitting wood or something like that, it's, it's too much. Um, and I, and I kind of learned that you know, out manly that different furs are good for different things and and beaver and otter and stuff are good if you're just, if you're sitting around, but once you start working and they're just too hot because they do retain their heat so well. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't want to ruin a surprise, but you're going to get a package in a couple of days probably. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice awesome yeah so what's the occasion on this one just because i could (laughs) so you're not done sewing you've been you've been sewing yes yeah i've been sewing and i probably would have sewed a lot more but i sold almost all of my extra furs that i had um to, to pay for a trip to disney world for the kids last year yeah um but I just actually just got a couple of cats for Martin and a ermine back from the tannery yesterday. So I got I got some more stuff to play with now. Well, that's I'm what gonna, made me think about. I'm gonna Martin repeat. Are. I'm gonna repeat. I have two otters I just sent to Moyles. So <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to catch them, but just let me know. <laughs> All right. If you want them when I get them back, they're yours. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have that first pattern I used versus the second one. I, I think I liked that a little more, like how the hat fits and everything. Um, but I'll I'll keep playing with patterns and stuff, and hopefully the everything works out with this thing that I sent you. What's the hardest part of this whole fur sewing or the fur manufacturing thing? Um. I'm going to say like sewing, sewing the fur part of it. Um, because when you're trying to sew like the fur to the fur pieces, you know, fur piece to fur piece, Mm -hmm. the hair is always trying to like come up in between your stitches and stuff. And maybe I'm just too particular about it. 
Um, but just trying to get it to where all the hair is like, um, it's pulled out the right side of the stitch so that it's not like bunched up and stuff. Um, that, and then probably the second hardest thing I would say is to make sure like you're not bunching stuff up to where you have to do, it's called like a gather stitch where you have to like start trying to make up ground on one side or the other, because you're not, you're pulling too much or something when you're sewing it. So things come out even at the end, like they're supposed to. Okay. Um, but Sabi showed me some pretty good tricks for doing that with the gather stitches and, and where to start doing them. And you have to constantly check to make sure you're not pulling too much one way or the other. And it's, it's a lot more exaggerated when you're sewing two different types of fabric together. Um, because like the first stretches more than say like the leather that's on the shell of your hat. Right. Okay. So it's just, a lot of little things like that that you have to pay attention to. Yeah. And, and I'm by no means an expert at doing this since I've only made a couple of hats, but. And that in like the liner in the inside of that hat, was that like a, from a blanket or something? What was that material? That's all, that's all just uh fleece fleece. Anti-fill fleece. Yeah. And, and there's some, it probably wasn't so hard for me, like picking it up and learning how to do it because I had somebody that was so good at doing it and had been doing it, you know, her entire life to show me all these little tricks and stuff. Like when I called and I told you, or maybe I texted and told you that I wanted to fix your hat because something's not right on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know, you don't know it, but I know it's there. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? What's wrong with it? <laughs> right. And it's just because, you know, when I, when I made this, the second hat, I was looking at that going, okay, what do I need to do different here? Because I didn't like that on Jeremiah's hat. And, and I figured it out. It took me some thinking, but I remember, you know, how Savy showed me to do it with Kim's hat. So it was, uh, an, an exercise in memory for sure. Hmm. But it's, it's, I, I've enjoyed learning how to do it. And, and Kim wants to, wants me to show her how to do it and stuff. And I just have to find a pattern that I like and, and we'll probably take off from there. Uh, time, right? It's pretty time consuming. Actually, it's not. I was surprised. Really? Um, yeah. It's well, like Kim's hat, when I made that, I probably spent, I'm going to, I'm going to say not even, not even eight hours making it. Wow. Huh. There's a lot of stitches there. Yeah. Or a lot of Yeah, there are. A lot of uh a lot of holes you had to poke through for Yep. Yeah, and it's the only thing that, that I sold with a sewing machine is uh is just the shell. Yeah. And I couldn't even did I yeah, I did do that with yours. Did you I did do I didn't, I didn't did you use a sewing machine on mine? Yeah, just on the shell. That's it. Just okay. to show sew the shell pieces to the shell pieces. Okay. So what? Two joints, I think, is it? I, two seams. I should have brought it out. It's in the house right now. But um, yeah, that. I I well, I wouldn't know, would I? Because the the liner is covering that up. Yep. Because the stuff you yep. can see is all you can tell. It was hand. It was hand done. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of work. Yep. Yeah, and it's I mean it's meticulous, but when it's forty below, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, and in if you're you're evening off of work and you what are you gonna do? Sit around and watch TV, right? And that's you know that's when I made your hat was my evenings after work up the road there. It's, you know I got three hours or four hours or so to make my dinner and you're away from home and just chilling. Yeah. Rather, yeah, and yeah, I'd, you know I'd rather do something productive than sit there and stare at the screen on a TV. So you're gonna do more of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fully planning on it. I was already, when when uh, these furs showed up yesterday, I was already trying to decide what I was going to do with them. Nice. Any, so, you going to ever ever sell any of it? Is that in the plans? I guess I hadn't really thought about it. Um, as soon as you come up here and we get a long line going together and we trap more fur, yeah, we could probably start selling it. Yeah, because at that point, we're going to really have to find ways to sell it. We're not going to be able to send it to auction, I don't think. 
<laughs> I wouldn't send it to auction right now anyway. <laughs> yeah, the fur market is dead, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, I know I can always go sell wolves and wolverine, but it might be harder to move Martin and cats. Yeah. And yeah. and I could, I've honestly always been able to sell beaver too, and I don't. You know, the guy I sell beaver to, he's always said that he'll always buy beaver from me and Tristan since I started trapping beaver with Tristan because we always take really good care of our fur. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that's probably the same thing, but I I do enjoy getting things tanned and one hanging hanging on the house here. Pretty much I have one of everything I've ever caught yeah. hanging on the wall. Um, yeah, you make up for all those hard. ones you sell early on. You over time, you make up for that by keeping a bunch. Yep, and I, I think I figured that out when I caught my first wolf. As I started, that's about when I started keeping my first of everything. So I got you know my first wolf, which was a gray, and then I kept my first black one, and I caught a blue even, and I kept that, um, and then just on down the line from there. I guess that's maybe a a piece of advice that I never would have thought that I'd share with somebody, but for like for a young trapper, what, what do you offer old timer for what, what advice do you have for me? I think I'd, one of the things I would say is, uh, keep, keep one of every fur you catch first one. Yeah. Uh, yep. You'll never forget it. You'll, you'll never forget right. it. There's always a story. You get that fur hanging on the wall and, uh, the rest of your life, you'll see that and you'll remember that story. Yep. Yeah. It'll definitely bring back the memories just looking at it. You know, or even like the that cat that I cut up to make Kim's hat. It, you know, that was my first one, and and even I even thought to myself, like, man, do I really want to cut this up? But you'll see it. it. Was like, you'll see it every winter now. Yeah, right. And and I just thought, you know, that's my first cat. Number one, I caught it down by where Kim grew up, so there's you know there's a connection there, and and then she's going to be wearing it around. And it's the first hat I ever made. It's the first pair of mittens I ever made. So there's a lot of firsts with that. And it's not like it's gone, you know, it's still here, but it's just not hanging on the wall. Boy, it's a good thing you didn't screw that one up, huh? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, you remember that one time? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, well, if you get that cabin, um, get the line set up, I'll go run the traps and you can make stuff out of the fur to sell it. I can I can do all your skin for so important. I'll skin. I'll skin. You can sew. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to sew. I don't think I'm going to sew. I, I'm just, I don't think I have the ability. But Okay. Or, I, I, I can't, I, you should have seen, I've tried to draw stuff. I just have no, absolutely no artistic ability. So. <laughs> okay. Well, how are you for skinning? Are you, are you quick? Nope. I'm very slow. Um, but I don't make, I'm getting better. I don't make a lot of mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll have to change. <laughs> well, <laughs> why are we catch a lot of fur? <laughs> well, yeah, if we're going to run this big long line, yeah, we're, we better put some numbers up. Yeah. Yeah. You, all right. Um, we need to get to that. What, is, what, what do they say? You can do a Martin in eight minutes. Uh, on the board, you mean in eight minutes? ready to go on the board in eight minutes yeah i've heard that uh that'd be tough for me i think i'm about 15 to 20 yeah yeah i i can have them tacked out on the board in 22 minutes that's the fastest i've ever done it yeah you're martin or bigger too (laughs) yeah they're just easier to skin then yeah that's like right that's true like do a weasel yeah then I used to be used to be pretty slow with cats and wolves and stuff, but I got shown a couple things on that that probably halved my time on skinning them. I would bet. And you say that, but like what I learned this winter, there's a lot of dead time in the cabin because you're out there yeah. and there's nothing else to do, and yep. it's dark for a long time before you got to go to bed. You know, you probably got five six hours of dark before you got to go to bed or more yeah and so you can skin a lot of fur in that time it's true or you can sell a lot of fur in that time right yeah. <laughs> but we'll figure it out figure out the details there 
It's, yeah, as soon as you get up here, we'll, we'll get it figured out. I'll work, I'll work on the cabin and the line, and then you can work on the the other things. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Did we miss anything? Anything I didn't cover you want to talk about? I was thinking that I was going to ask you some stuff about your your trip up here, but I should probably go back and listen to what you talked about so you're not... Oh, I can repeat it. There's a lot of people that don't pay much attention when they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) We need a refresher from 20 episodes ago. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, No, I think... I can't think of anything we missed. I'm sure we can we can do this again. I'll interview you sometime about your your thoughts of trapping up here. Yeah, that'd be fun. Hi, um, hijack your podcast. Yep, it's been done before. Um, and I mean, I guess in general, just it was everything that I expected to be it to be, but it was way more. If that makes any sense, and I don't yeah. know. It's like you know, you hear about it, you talk about it, you dream about it, you think about it. And you hear all the stories, and but then you get there, and it's like, wow, this is all actually real. And yeah. like the scenery, you can see a thousand pictures of the wintertime in interior Alaska. But when you actually see it, it's to me, it was completely different. And I don't know yeah, if that's getting too I don't know if that's just uh, just me saying that, like from my viewpoint or whatever, but. Everything was just like the the way that the air everything's so cold and the air is so clear. It's like there's no vapor, no moisture in the air. It's so dry, <clears throat> and the sun hits the trees, and it's just to me it's unbelievable how uh, crystal clear everything is. Is that like yeah. is that we- weird to say that? I mean, no, no, because I know I know what you're talking about, especially when you get away from the cities and stuff like that. Like, it's like everything's in like high definition. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yep. And and like I'm sitting on the bank of the porcupine and you look upstream and you look downstream and there's nothing there. And you look up at the sky and it's all blue and there's no jet trails in the sky. And yep. there's like one raven or crow or whatever just calling in the distance and I sit there one afternoon for like 20-30 minutes and it was just dead silence yep I mean that's awesome that's yep. and and uh stupid things like you like you walk on a pack trail and that sound that your boots make right just yeah that creaking yep. that like squeaking that your boots the rubber yep. makes on the snow because it's so cold and yeah. it's, it's almost like deafening how loud that is. And you stop for a second, and everything's just dead silent. Yep. So, just a little yeah, details and you're not like getting, that. It, yeah, and it is dead silent. Like, you, there's nothing making any noise. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, it's definitely... Yeah, go ahead. No, it's, just, it's definitely something. Something different that... You can you can you can talk about it and explain it all you want. That when you're when you're saying like it is dead quiet, it is like you. There's not a hum from like a distant machine or nothing. You know you're you're 40 miles from the nearest motor, besides you and Jim. We we'd get to a spot and I, I one time I stopped and I was like, how many people have been here in the last 20 years? Like been on at this on this this creek about five and like you get out there and you're on this line and you stop and you're alone and you know there's nobody for at least 20 miles and and as you almost like i'm a a visitor up there right and i don't own any of that and i'm i'm just there for two weeks and it was almost like i like that was my area you know you yep. almost you almost feel like an ownership like this is my ground i i just set traps here and nobody else is going to come here and yep. you could do that how many places in alaska you could do that all over the state there's just so much area yep. that that you could you could just pop onto a spot if you knew where everybody was and whose trap line was where you could pop into a spot and you could you could essentially own that i mean in your own mind yeah 
there's there's some truth to that for sure. Yeah. We did hear one snowmobile come up the river in two weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine that during moose season in the fall when they're running boats up the river, I'm sure it's pretty busy, but all winter long, oh, that, that place is dead. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When when uh, Tristan and I were running that that seventy mile line, the uh, about the first twenty miles, twenty five miles of it, there were people that used that to get to a lake out there, a recreational lake. People had cabins and stuff on, but after that, there was nothing. You know, the same thing. We were the only ones running that trail for forty miles. Oh, so, I remember we stopped one time on a uh, on the river. And it was like the end of January. We stopped to eat lunch. And it was like the first time I felt the heat of the sun, you know, all, like all coming year. into, <laughs> yeah, all year. Yeah. After you hit winter and stuff, you know, the sun doesn't have any warmth to it for a while. And then like we stopped on the river to, to eat and I took my helmet off and it was like, boom, sun in my face, man, that's nice. That feels good. Yeah. And, and you just sit there and it's like, we could we could see Mel McKinley and everything where we're at. Nice. So we're like looking at, just looking like this awe-inspiring view and everything like that. And same thing, not a not a sound. Yeah, your ears ring. That, your ears ring when it's quiet like that. Sometimes, yeah, almost like kind of the the tinnitus ring that you'll yep. get. Yep, I get that. Talk about out there. It's yeah, I think like you're trying so hard to hear if there's a noise that you just like get that buzz going. Yeah. Yep. For yeah. sure. And probably the other big thing uh, on a subconscious level for me being out there was the the fact that there were essentially no regulations, <laughs> no rules. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've always been, you know, a lot of us have that kind of pioneer spirit where you, you want to experience the way things were 100 years ago before everything got built up and regulated and roads and bridges and homes and civilization and yeah. jobs and everything else. And you go into a place where like, I, I love trapping out here and, and I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I really do. I mean, this is a beautiful place in the Northeast. This is as good as it gets in my opinion. But when I go out there, there's always this little thing in the back of my mind. Like, am I doing things right? Um, am I following the rules? Am, am I obeying the law? Am I going to get in trouble? Is something going to happen? Is somebody going to come and see my traps? And out there, all that was gone. It was like a whole, weight lifted off your shoulders like just go out and set traps and have fun and you yeah. could you could do whatever you wanted if you saw a place that looked good for a snare you'd set a snare if you wanted to set a 330 for wolverine on the ground you you set it um and everything was just uh it was like a whole new world like wow this is what i've been missing yeah just like a huge sense of freedom yep yep for sure yep, yep. i agree yeah. All right, man. Well, I guess we better let you get going. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll do this again. I'll write down some questions. Yes, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, hide, I'll hide back you sometime. That'd be a lot of fun. You got to do the intro and everything, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> get practicing on that. It took me about 100 episodes before I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> But you're quicker. You're quicker than me. You'll pick it up. Well, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care. Thanks a lot for uh, for uh, for talking with me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. All we'll right. do it again. Sounds good. Okay, that's that for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. And we're going to have a little bit more coming up for, with me and Josh. Josh actually took over the podcast and interviewed me the other day. So that's going to come up here at some point in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we kind of, he kind of turned the tables a little bit. So um, looking forward to that. Now it's time for the Cots Brothers deal of the week. Go to Cotsbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. And when you place an order from Cots Bros, you have the option to create an account. And you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to do two different things. Create an account and sign up for the newsletter. Because 
the account's going to allow you to earn bonus points, and the newsletter is going to give you email updates whenever there's some specials going on, um, certain deals or, or specific products. So, cotsbros.com, and if you have an account or sign up for one, you can use a special promo code jrodxmas j-r-o-d-x-m-a-s and that's going to get you five dollars off and double the bonus points on any order of fifty dollars or more and i know i've been talking about this code for a couple weeks now this is the last week for the code it expires december 31st so the end of the year it's done it's over so great opportunity to to uh, place an order and Get take advantage of that deal from Cots Bros and thanks Cots Bros for supporting the show and thank you guys for sticking around. Hope that if you got a trapping season on right now, you got some traps out and you're just having a blast on the line. And uh, until next week, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you in the next episode.